0: The following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. The points along the way this week, I actually kind of felt like um, actually asking to take this time to speak and share with you a week before I leave was probably not a really good idea because I have so many things to do and pack and we were gone all week, but i um, I actually did ask, uh, and I'm glad i did i I just asked to be able to actually preach one last time and share with you my heart um before we leave and just a, just give you a chance to to hear uh from from what we're seeing and then just a chance to exhort an all of us together as we as we move forward uh you guys are a big part of this, so you're going with us in one sense but uh um yeah just it's it's uh it's a privilege to be able to share one last time with you, so thanks for that. Looking forward to next week, and uh, in many ways, we're we're ready to go. Uh, you know, we've been th- thinking and working, and you all have been praying with us about this, and so we're excited that uh, a week from tomorrow, we get to get on the plane and uh, let the new adventure begin, so uh, anyways... Um, I wondered if Stacy. yeah, Stacy actually is here. I'm not going to have you come up, but I just wanted to let you know, um, we had a little extra, uh, just as I start here, we had some extra funds in our Frontline account. And so um, I, I, I talked with the other elders, and I talked with Jordan, and uh, Jordan cleared your schedule, and we actually got tickets for you to go with us. <laughs> uh, we only got one-way tickets, though, so you're going to have to hang out with us. <laughs> The rest of the elders are going to have to vote whether to send you, bring you back or not. But Okay, if you know anything about us, uh, you know that's a joke. We're praying that Stacey will come and visit sometime. <laughs> Maybe in a while. Um. So I guess one of the things I've, I was asking is, you know, uh, in the scriptures, is there, a, is there a time when, you know, somebody uh, is, is saying goodbye and, you know, what are the things on their heart? And, and we see this here in, in Acts chapter 20 where Paul is, is uh, you know, the Spirit has been working in his heart and telling him, you look, you're going to be going to Jerusalem and then you're going to be going to Rome. Um, these are the things that, that were on Paul's heart. And so I thought, like, uh, this would be a, an excellent chance for us just to see, you know, what, what that scene looked like and kind of enter into that. Um, I'm not at all supposing or, or suggesting that I'm, I'm stepping into that role as as an apostle, uh, um, in the in, with a capital A, in the sense of I'm one of the twelve, a special you know relationship with Christ, seeing him on the earth, and then being able to represent him and and spread his his message. Um, all of us are apostles in the in the lower A sense because Jesus says, "I am sent, and you are also sent." So that's what that word means. Um, so really, that's been what's on my heart, and that's the genesis of, the, of the, this, this study today in the Scriptures, is just what was on Paul's heart, and, and what can we learn from that as he was saying farewell to this group at, in Ephesus. Um, and it does give me a chance to just express some of my last thoughts as, uh, before we leave. So let's read the text here. We're going to read Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. It's a little longer. Um, Seth's going to have it up on the screen so you can follow along, but I'm going to read out loud, we'll pray, and then we're going to jump into this text this morning. So it's Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And now behold I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit not knowing what will happen to me there except that the holy spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of god and now behold I know that none of you among whom I have gone about this about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at Your Word, I just pray that You do open up our eyes to understand Your Word and understand how it speaks to us. Would Your Spirit convict us of the truths of uh, what Paul is saying? Uh, may we see how it applies to us and how we can live. And, and most of all, God, I pray that You would allow us to be um, faithful messengers of the gospel. That we would walk worthy of the gospel because of all that You've done and and um, allowed us to see. So we. Open up our eyes, help us to see, and Lord, most of all, may we be those who hear your word and obey it, rather than those who merely hear it. I pray in Jesus' name for his sake, amen. All right, so over the course of the last few months, I've been able to meditate on uh, the book of Acts, uh, particularly the last few chapters, the uh, the last section there on with uh, Paul and his, his journey from uh, Asia, then to Jerusalem, and then on to Rome as he uh, moves there and then eventually is conveyed by the, the prison system in Rome. Uh, it's been a fascinating study, but in order to understand what the last part of the book of Acts is about, I've, I've needed to kind of look at the book as a whole and try to figure out in broad strokes what is uh, the writer Luke doing here. Um, but even to do that, needing to look at, okay, well, what did Luke do in the gospel of Luke, in his gospel, and then and then writing his second volume of Acts and, and putting them together. So, so, um, there's a couple things I just wanted to point out, I thought would be helpful for you to see. Is both Luke and Acts, um, Luke, again, being the author of both of those, both of them have the last 25% roughly of the book dedicated to one man and his mission. Uh, in, in Luke. That's obviously Jesus and his passion. He's going to the cross. He's got a destination. He's got his mission. But also here in in the book of Acts, we see Luke doing a similar thing. So the last part, roughly 25%, he's focusing exclusively on Paul and Paul's mission, Paul's destination of Rome. Now, I'm not suggesting that Luke is showing Paul to be the new Jesus, rather He's just paralleling them and showing uh, the, the continuation of Jesus' ministry, the continuation of his message. Uh, so when we're, when we're in Acts 20 here, we're at the beginning of that point in Acts where we're looking toward Rome, but we're going to be journeying with Paul as he goes from where he is there in Asia uh, to Jerusalem. Then he has several trials. So he experiences some persecution, some, some, some suffering, and then he's sent to Rome. Uh, But all of that is done so that he can ultimately proclaim the message of the gospel. So again, as we talk about the broad strokes, backbone, uh, this understanding like what the book of Acts is about, the backbone of this book is Acts 1, chapter 8, um, 1, verse 8. You will receive power, Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, and because of that you will be my witnesses. So, if you will, that's the backbone of the book of Acts, is people are witnessing to what Jesus has done because they have the Spirit. When I think of Acts, I often think of miraculous happenings, speaking in tongues, as, uh, as if the, the charismatic view of the Holy Spirit has overwritten what this book is about. But the book, at the end of the day, is about the Spirit, who's the sign of this now, us now being in the age to come, and people testifying of the message of Jesus Christ. So uh, what are they proclaiming? Um, They're proclaiming the kingdom of God, the very beginning of the book. You see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. The very end of the book with Paul, you see Paul talking about the kingdom of God there in Rome. So they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, inaugurated by the work of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, If I can just pause on that for a second. Most of the defense of the gospel in acts has to do with the resurrection. Think about it for a minute. In light of all the things that have been happening, in light of the, the terror attacks and different things, like, what is our hope? Our hope is that a guy raised from the dead, this guy conquered death, that should radically transform, I mean, yeah, there's going to be fear. Uh, pray that I believe this as I go to Indonesia. There's fears there, but there's fears here. But our God, our Jesus has conquered death. We should not fear. But this is the message they're proclaiming, the kingdom of God, inaugurated through Jesus, particularly emphasizing His resurrection, and then the Spirit who comes upon His people, marking them out as followers of Jesus, um, and gathering them together in a group of called the church uh, as little foretaste of the kingdom to come. Uh, so that's what they're proclaiming here. That's what Acts is proclaiming. Uh, so when we get to the end of this book in, in uh, 19 and 20, where we'll be today, uh, in 19, if you'll flip back a page 19 verse 21 you see that Paul was um uh, the spirit was with him um 19 21 and after these events this is chapter 19 verse 21 after these events Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying after I've been there I must also see Rome so there's this sense again by the spirit the spirit is in pushing him forward, compelling him to go to Jerusalem, and he knows his, he's going to end up in Jerusalem, but the, the end is so that he can testify. Um, so here in our context today in, in uh, chapter 20, we see Paul, um, he's heading, He's in Asia, he's heading back to Jerusalem, but he stops at Miletus, so he, he stays on the coast... And uh, I guess it was better for him to send for the elders. So he did that. Then he, they went inland, something like 35 miles. It would probably take a little bit of time for this messenger to, to go to Ephesus, round up the elders, and then have them come back. But they, they come out to the coast, and they meet him. Um, they get together, and this is what he says to them. So the, the, what we read this morning and what we're studying um, is his message to them. So we've read, read the text uh, in many ways, it's pretty straightforward, uh, but I want to point out several key features and, and then uh, talk about how we can, we can apply this to our own lives. Um, we may actually go a little bit out of order, but just bear with me, and, and I, I think that'll help you see what, what Paul is doing here. But on a macro level, this is how you would, if you will, outline his speech. Paul f- begins by saying, hey, look, this is my, my example and my lifestyle. I'm going to review that for you. I'm going to tell you how I lived among you. And then he has some particular and specific exhortations to the Ephesian elders there as he meets with them. And then again, right as he's finishing, he reminds them and reviews again his lifestyle of generosity to them. Um, and, and that's his message to them. But if you will, just again at a macro level, Paul is demonstrating to them what life in the Spirit looks like. Let me, just, let me show you how I see this. Um, Note the dependence and obedience on the Spirit. Uh, verses 22 and 23 in chapter 20. Um, 22, he says he's going to Jerusalem and he's constrained by the Spirit. In one sense, he's, he says, I don't know, but I do know. Not knowing, knowing that tribulations are coming. He doesn't know exactly what's happening, but he does know that um, he will have imprisonment and afflictions there in 23. Um, just a note here. Again, this is a, this could be a whole message, but you know, Paul does not uh, shrink back from the suffering that this lifestyle entails. He knows that that's a part of being a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Um, look at verse twenty-four. Uh, the, the ESV here says, "Do not count my life as value or precious uh, to myself." The, if literally you want to translate it, be like, I don't count my life worth a word uh, as long as I can do this, as long as I can fulfill this ministry. Um, but that's what the Spirit is doing in him. Do you see that? That's not something that's just natural to Paul. That's the Spirit working in his heart for him to be able to say, I don't care about my life as long as I'm fulfilling the ministry to proclaim the gospel. Again, we looked at... A, chapter 19, verse 21, but that's kind of the background of what we're seeing today is his dependence on the Spirit and following the Spirit's direction in verse 19, chapter 19, verse 21 to, to go to Jerusalem, to go knowing that he'll go to Rome um, and knowing that there will be sufferings and tribulation, but there's also going to be an opportunity for proclamation. So he goes. So also then in that vein, in the vein of... Um, Paul here f- fulfilling Acts 1, chapter 8, that the Spirit comes upon him and then he's going to be a, be a witness. Look at how Paul describes his ministry. Look at what he, the words he uses here. Paul recognizes that his ministry is about proclamation, again, because of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit is doing. Look in verse 20, he uses the word to announce. He said, I did not shrink back from announcing to you what was profitable. In verse 20 he's saying, and teaching, to teach you publicly and from house to house. In verse 21, he uses the word witnessing or testifying, whichever one you want to use there. But the idea of just providing a a testimony or or providing a witness, like this is what's happened to me. This is what I've seen. But but he's doing this to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And he sums up his message by saying it's a message of repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord or our master. In verse 24, he says to testify or witness again to the gospel of the grace of God. In verse 25, he says proclaiming. That's the word he uses. Among those uh, who I went around proclaiming the kingdom, none will see my face again. Verse 26, he's witnessing witnessing to you all that I'm clean of the blood of all. I'm not guilty. But why is he not guilty of anyone's blood? Why does he have a clear conscience is another way of saying it. Why? Because in verse 27, he's announcing again. I did not shrink back from announcing to you all the will of God. Uh, Notice verse 27 and verse 20. They're actually almost identical in the Greek. Um, "I did not shrink back from announcing to you in verse 20, it's what was profitable. (coughs) Excuse me. And then verse 27 Uh, All the will of God. So uh, again, he's just, he's announcing, he's proclaiming. This is what his ministry is all about. Speaking to people in various forms and ways so that they hear. And then in verse 31 there, admonishing them, warning everyone, um, with even with tears. Emotionally invested to make sure that they hear the message and they respond. But this is the ministry that he has, that he wants to fulfill, and don't lose sight of the fact that that's because of the Spirit in him. That's what the Spirit is driving him to do. So that's a little bit, of, that's the review of of his life as he's sharing it with them. He's reviewing that. And then he gets to a specific exhortation here to the elders. Now again, this is to the elders of the church. So there's a few elders here, uh, elders of this church, um Particularly would be for you, but it's also for all of us. So listen to what he says in verse 28. He says, pay careful attention, not only to yourselves, but also to the flock. uh, So that you might, ESV has to care for the church of God, uh, or literally to shepherd the church of God, and all that entails of feeding and caring and strengthening. If you will, uh, Paul in gives kind of two exhortations here. They actually sound very, you could almost write, pay attention, pay attention, or be careful, be alert, however you want to say it. But there's kind of two uh, commands here to these elders. And one, if you want, you could say this is kind of viewed positively like, uh, care for, feed, strengthen the flock. And then negatively then, there in verses 29 to, to 31, he's saying, be alert, watch out, protect and guard the flock. So that's more of the negatively. Side, negative side of things So, positively shepherd the church feed them care for them negatively protect them keep watch and guard them um, again Paul is not going to guard them the, the, the difficulty that comes the, the ones who are raised up even among them who try to draw people away are speaking words and they're using those words to draw people away so on the flip side of that Paul is saying do this keep watch guard the flock defend them by speaking the gospel. You know, that will involve other things as well, but primarily it's speak truth. Speak truth to these people. Help them know what is true. And then in verse 32 here, Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word or that the message of His grace, um, which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among the saints or those who are sanctified. But Paul is saying essentially... This is your responsibility. You need to do these things. Feed, shepherd the flock, guard and defend the flock. But at the end of the day, I'm going to entrust you to God. To God who is the one who ultimately will be that great shepherd of the sheep, defending the flock, protecting and feeding the flock. Uh, specifically in this verse here, in verse 32, that he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, if you will. Uh, and then, the next sentence specifically linked in the, in the, the Greek to the which message the the message of his grace, the word of his grace is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance. So there's the sense of I'm entrusting you to God and one of the main ways that that God is going to act and work in your life is through his word. and because of that, uh, the Spirit ministering the word to your heart, you will be able to make it and God will. Uh, build you up, number one, but also give you what you've been promised in Christ. And then at the end here, Paul's example there in verses 34 and 35 of generosity, of even doing menial work, working with his own hands so that he doesn't have to uh, depend on them and uh, take money from them uh, so that he might even demonstrate the generosity Uh, Even these words here, it is better to give than to receive. Words that are only actually recorded here and not actually in the gospel. uh, But words nonetheless of our our Lord Jesus uh, who would remind us to live this way. So as Paul addresses these folks for, for potentially the last time, what does he talk about here? He recalls his own lifestyle as an example for them to follow. Just as he said in many places in the New Testament... Uh, or several places, follow me as I follow Christ. So this is really what he's doing. This is how I've lived. Um, And again, this is what, for Paul, this is what life in the Spirit looks like. There's going to be suffering. Um, There's going to be service. There's going to be a lifestyle of generosity. But there's also going to be a huge emphasis on proclaiming the message of the gospel. To the elders, specifically, he calls them to pay attention to the flock, to shepherd them well, to meet their needs. Uh, he also calls them to be alert so that they can defend and protect the flock. Uh, but when it's all said and done, you see the sense here that that Paul, is his confidence is not in them um, per se, but his confidence is in God. And God's ability to sustain these folks through his word primarily um and so that they will end up enjoying the riches that we have in Christ. So it's pretty straightforward uh, speech here. I think it's pretty understandable. But I want to just talk a little bit about how we apply this to our lives and, and what what we do here. Um, let me spell out some things that I that I think will be useful for us as a body. I, I'm actually going to work maybe a little bit backwards from from the way we looked at it, but I think you'll see that that's helpful. But. Um, I could preach a whole message here on suffering and how that's part of what our lifestyle entails as we are followers of Christ. That's just part and parcel for, for what we are getting into. Um, our Lord suffered and we will suffer as well. Uh, so we embrace that. The Spirit will provide for us and protect us. Uh, one, of the, one of the cool things that, that I even see is in this study is, is the connection between uh, the book of Luke and Acts. So many times in Luke we have Jesus telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen when you face uh, persecution and suffering. And then in the book of Acts, we see that is fulfilled in many places, that that the Spirit will give you words to say when you're dragged before the synagogue. And we see that take place in Acts. Um, so I, I'm, I really can't, I'm not going to address the suffering piece other than to say um, suffering gives us... Uh, a greater desire for the kingdom to be established, for God's will to be done, uh, and for the king himself. But one of the other questions I have to, to ask uh, is, how can we make it over the next three years? So we're going to Indonesia, um, and we, we need to make it. We need to survive. Um, we need, you all need to make it over the next three years, too. Like each one of us, just because we're going to Indonesia does not mean that we are the only ones who are going to be facing spiritual attacks, that we're going to be facing spiritual peril. Um, all of us in this room are going to be facing that. So how are we going to make it for three years and beyond? Um, how are we going to, again, we, we see you know, God and the word of his grace is able to build us up and give us that inheritance. So what practically can we do to see that make uh, work itself out? I think the first thing I'd say and again this is why I'm going backwards but um, pay attention to each other and care for one another so this is addressed to the elders specifically but we all know that as we read this that there's direct application for us as well Uh, that yeah we're not all pastors and shepherds um, and elders but we are all tasked per Ephesians 4 to do the work of the ministry so pastors are supposed to equip the saints so that the saints do the work of the ministry Um, We're not subcontractors who do your work. All of us are tasked with proclaiming the message because we have the Spirit. And so do the work of the ministry. Um, Care for those around you in word, in prayer, uh, and in community. Um, One of the things I've I've heard Pastor Stacy say a, a number of times is the best problems in the church are the problems that we never hear about. Because you all are doing your job to minister to those around you uh, in prayer, uh, in, with the word, being living life with your brothers and sisters, encouraging them, pointing them back to truth and back to Christ. Um, be alert then. Watch out for the ditches and false gospels that are out there. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, the best antidote sometimes is, to be familiar with the gospel, to be in a community like ours where we're preaching the gospel to ourselves and, and, and not just proclaiming the mere facts of the gospel, but massaging these truths into our life and saying, let's go to Romans. These are the implications of the gospel and Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And, and now we can walk in newness of life. So let's work those truths deep into our hearts. You all can be a part of that. Uh, a false gospel will be self-centered versus centered on Christ in a denial of self. A false gospel will be about me or us building our own kingdom as opposed to building God's kingdom. Uh, a false gospel will isolate individuals from the body and create maverick Christians, if you will. Um, the New Testament has nothing of that. and, and I, I mean again, I, I could go on and on. Um, But this is what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a responsibility one to another to watch out not only for our own souls, but those souls around us. God has put you here. God has put you in a specific place in a specific time to be a part of that specific body. Uh, Do your part. Fulfill your responsibility. Pray for each other. So then ultimately, as I mentioned a couple times here, look to to God for your security in this. If we're going to make it over the next three years, we're going to do our part, but God is going to be faithful and more faithful than we are to do His part. So our confidence is in God. Uh, my confidence in going to Indonesia and knowing that I can make it and I can survive spiritually and even thrive spiritually in the midst of challenges and stresses and pressures is that God is my confidence. He, I need to pray for one another. God's going to use the body uh, that's going to be one of the tools he uses uh, we need to be in the word I need to be in the word personally if I'm going to make it uh, but the end of this at the end of the day God is the one who's going to be accomplishing this using through the spirit the word uh, to build us up and to give us our inheritance so when we talk about Paul and this farewell speech what I want what I want to do just in the last few minutes that we're together is as I, I want to Take, uh, take, a, take our lens and, and back it up just a little bit so that when we see Paul giving this speech to the Ephesians we don't just see this random event nor do we even if we back it up and look at what's happening in this last part of the, the book of Acts uh, and just see if you will like a travelogue of Paul like hey this is cool like blog that he did while he was doing these things Luke is concerned about Paul, but not for Paul's sake, okay? So Paul is the tip of the iceberg. Paul is is just representative of what God is doing through his people who have been filled by the Spirit and now are proclaiming the news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So don't miss that. In all these little details, this well, the trip to here and the trial here and then the trial here and then this frustration and now he's here... Don't forget and don't miss the fact that what Luke is trying to demonstrate is God is at work cosmically here through the church. As I said earlier, some guy just raised from the dead. Like that's a big deal. That, that should even now, even today, we've probably been believers a long time. That should shatter our worldview and say, wow, somebody conquered death. I'm following that guy. But it changes what we see. So we want to we see the big picture of what's happening here in Acts and how the gospel of the grace of God is just blowing doors off geopolitical lines and ethnic distinctions and creating this people of God that are coming together by the Spirit joined in worship to the Son Jesus and they're all pointing towards the kingdom of God that's sort of here, not fully here, but is coming. Okay? So when we talk about even church and what we're doing here on a Sunday, don't think of it as a Virginia Beach thing or, oh yeah, we have local chapters like a lot of other places. No, God is acting at a cosmic level and he's still doing it, okay? So what we see in Acts is that God is working on this huge level to establish his kingdom and bring it and we're a part of that. And God's got more people to be a part of that, whether it's here in Virginia Beach, in San Diego, or in Indonesia, or in the Middle East, That's what God is doing in the world today. Okay, don't worry about the political scene. Don't worry about the terrorism. Think about what God is doing to establish his kingdom by proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. This is much bigger than you or me. Don't you dare emasculate the gospel by saying, yeah, it's just like, yeah, Jesus saved me from my sins. Now I can go do whatever I want. Keep living life as usual. Got my insurance. That's not at all what Jesus is about here. And that's not at all what Paul is seeing and doing and representing. So this is our story. And what I'm, my challenge to you today is... Um, We've seen some specifics that Paul has, has given to us in his speech. But, but as, we, as we back up, this is the story. This is what God is doing on, the, on earth right now as he's waiting to, to establish his kingdom at the right time. So our task is to get lost in this story. Lose yourself in this story. And that's what I see happening in Paul's life. Paul can say, I don't even count my, my life to be worth a word. Because I want to be a part of this. But he's, again, the Spirit has taught him these truths and has made him a witness because he's lost in this. So, get lost in this story. Let this story be the story that consumes your thinking. Let this be what compels you to live in a certain way, to do certain things, so that we can put ourselves out there, put ourselves where people are, so that we have an opportunity to proclaim this message, to demonstrate with our lives the reality of this message in our lives. So what's the alternative, though? The alternative is to get lost in our own story. It's gonna, that's going to look a lot of different ways. That, that's going to take a lot of different shapes, um, it may be, It may look like getting lost in the minutia of, of managing our own money and our own assets or managing our own stuff. Or it may get look like us getting lost in the story of climbing a corporate ladder or working really, really hard to get that promotion or <coughs> working really hard to get good grades because that's going to really secure our future. Or being preoccupied with a relationship status. There's all most of those things have have things embedded in them that are that are fine that that we need to take care of and their their earthly needs here but so i'm not saying just forget that but but don't get lost in that story get lost in the story of what god is doing on earth through his people who are filled by the spirit i think one of our, our challenges in um, you know, middle class America is just that we have so many resources, relatively speaking, that we can find a way to just consume our lives to death. We're just consumers. Um, the problem is not that we are consumers. This is who God made us to be. The problem is we're consuming the wrong things. So again, I, I mentioned this just because as we, get caught up in the story of what Christ is doing and what God is doing on earth, we become radical consumers of Jesus. Anything that Jesus does, anything that Jesus... We, we want to be all in on the Jesus brand, all about what He's doing. And as we are radical consumers of Christ in so many different ways, that's going to lead us to getting lost in, in His story and not in our own. Um... And one of the the first outworkings of that is that by the Spirit we proclaim this message. Um, We were just discussing this in a community group a couple weeks ago or a a town center community group. We were discussing an article in which a guy suggested that, you know, we've, we've started using this terminology. We're sharing the gospel. Um, and, and the idea, even looking at what Paul's words here today, is he's declaring it, he's announcing it, he's proclaiming it, he's testifying, witnessing. So I, I don't think that language is, is horrible, but, but the idea of sharing is the, is the idea that, well, somebody wants that. Well, they may very well not, but we proclaim it anyways. And that's why Paul can say, I am not guilty of anyone. I have a clear conscience because I've proclaimed this to you. Whether you wanted to hear it or not, you heard it from my mouth. And you knew what the gospel was. And he didn't shrink back from doing that. So proclaim this message. Finally, let me just note to you that I'm not preaching this message to you because I've figured it out. Um, don't think for a minute that Sharon and I and our family are going to Indonesia because we've got this down and now we're ready to go and do it somewhere else. Um, that we've that this is 100% reality to us. I mean, God's convicted my heart of of even shrinking back from declaring the gospel even yesterday to some friends who are Christians, you know, who maybe don't see things quite the same thing way we do. But but like to not even challenge them in that and ask them simple questions like. Like, how did that bring you closer to Christ? You know, they're talking about some spiritual experience that sounded actually kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, but they're saying, oh, this is great. And yet to even to shrink back from saying, how did that bring you closer to Christ? Um, we're not superstars. Jesus is our superstar. Jesus is our hero. He's our hero. He's our confidence. And he's our message. And so we proclaim him. So that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. We have a role to play, whether it's here or around the world. So let's walk worthy of the gospel as the Spirit empowers us to proclaim that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, if nothing else, and more than anything else, that you would just give us eyes to see your kingdom, your kingdom advancing. To see that it's real, to see that your son is on the throne waiting for his enemies to made his, be made his footstools so that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, heaven is not some place that we go to. You are going to establish a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be able to dwell with you right here. So God gives us eyes to see, give us eyes to look up, look beyond our little things which are real but we need so much to have a a, a vision of what you're doing on earth what you're doing in advancing your kingdom and how you're at work because uh, we want to be a part of that help us lose ourselves in that story and we pray that that would be done for your sake so everyone knows that you are the hero and the superstar we pray in Jesus' name amen